Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey, good evening, Facebook family. Welcome to another episode of Post Daily Dose. With me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guide, and servant on the healing journey. What's my name? Big Papa Brian Post. Hope everyone's doing fantastic on this amazing Tuesday evening. Look at those gray hair sticking up. I told a group of social workers today that I felt like I could feel some of my gray hairs just popping out of my head. Thought I would show you guys real quick this real cool scenery. You see the, the snow-capped mountains over there? We are actually in Redding, California, and uh, getting ready to head to uh, Oakland. And so you, you can't see them as well as I can, but it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome little scenery. Just dropping off a copy of From Fear to Love to a social worker here in Reading. Had a couple of really good presentations with really neat uh, adoption workers today in Chico and also here in Reading. So really, really excited about all of that. So wanted to just hop on here real quick before Kyle and I get back on the road. Wanted to address a question about lying. When the lying becomes becomes more serious when it when it has greater implications specifically when the lie and this is comes from one of our posties Janie Janie Janine from Denver um, she's a clinician and she was asking about it regarding her hang on just a minute it's getting kind of noisy hey brother yeah man yeah man I'm, I'm, I'm doing it man <laughs> oh, pushing shopping carts along they're, they're pretty noisy so anyway Janie asked when uh, she had a four year old who said that his mom hit him and I'm assuming he's a foster child because she then had to report it and the mom of course denied having hit the child but wanted to know how to have the conversation with a young man and this comes up a lot especially with children with trauma histories foster kids, adopted kids, who have been abused so often. They have such such imprints of abuse in their, wow, it is really loud here, such imprints of abuse in their brainstem in relationships. And the lying is, is um, becomes really serious because all of a sudden you have you have a clinician that has to make a report and that's going to have to be in, investigated and so how does a parent who is in this situation talk to the child and here's I mean I think this is I think I always try to keep it real with you guys this is one of those situations when you've got children who come from backgrounds of trauma sometimes the children have felt so helpless they haven't known you know they haven't known what else to do except to um is it that they haven't known what else to do it's not that they haven't known what else to do there hasn't been any other there hasn't been any other opportunity for them to feel safe other than having social workers come to their home and remove them and feelings of of helplessness are pretty common and these same children when not in abusive homes make allegations have been known to make allegations against their parents out of their own fear and overwhelm and frustration and i believe that that has nothing to do with the parent so much as it has to do with 
the child's sense of helplessness. And it's not a bad thing. It's a bad thing because you have to have social workers come to your home and do some kind of investigation. That can be very stressful. No one wants that. But it's actually a good thing, especially if the allegations are unfounded, because it opens up an opportunity to have a conversation about what it actually means to make a false report. I don't even look at false reporting as lying. Of course it is a lie, but it's more serious because of all the implication, all the implications that are involved. And if you get, you know, sometimes a, a social worker can be, can be overzealous, like a police officer can be overzealous. But it's an opportunity to talk to the child about the times in their lives when they didn't feel safe. And when, when they have experiences now with their parent of maybe not feeling safe, but that is not that they're in imminent risk. There's a, there's a different, and let me just say, children who have trauma histories can oftentimes have, have sensory, sensory issues. They can hear a parent's raised voice as a yell. They can hear a parent, they can feel a parent who grabs them by the hand to move them somewhere as being yanked by the arm. Um, they can experience a swat on the butt and, and you all know what a swat on the butt is. I mean, literally a swat on the butt can, can almost not even make a physical, like register as a, as a physical occurrence. But for a child with a trauma history, that swat on the butt could feel like you just like turned them inside out. Like you just gave them the hardest whack ever. So the perceptions, because of the sensory experiences, can be really skewed. So you have to be really sensitive about those dynamics with trauma children, but at the same time, and you know, I don't want parents swatting their kids on the butt because I believe that as soon as you do that, you have the potential for associating yourself with whatever other trauma is in their brainstem. But it's an opportunity to say, look, these are the things that could happen. This is, this is what could happen you know, when you make an allegation about something I've done to you because you're frustrated or because you're you're angry or because you feel scared. And I need you to know that you are safe in this home. And I wanna have an opportunity for us to be able to talk. And this is a four-year-old. So a four-year-old, you know, that, that abstract thinking is not there and, and they don't even know they probably a four-year-old wasn't even making an allegation a four-year-old was just saying probably to the therapist mommy hit me with no concept of what that means and so I guess what I want to say to parents is it doesn't have to be it's scary and it's stressful but if you know you did not hit your child, if you know you've not locked your child in, in their room, approach it from a perspective of, look, we want to help our child be as safe as possible. We want to help our child feel as safe as possible. And I am completely open to any conversation, any communication, which will allow that to happen. And it scares me and communicate this to your child. I feel scared. I feel sad. 
that's probably even a bigger piece having an emotional conversation with your child which really opens you up see this is not a conversation you want to have that's an angry conversation it's a conversation you want to have that's an emotionally connected conversation you put your child in your lap and you look at him and you say you know what nothing would make me sadder than if you were not in my home if you were not in my life nothing scares me more as the potential threat of you not being here I want you to always feel safe. I want you to always feel loved. And I understand you may get scared and you may get mad at me, but I always want you to feel safe, honey. And when you say things to therapists that may not be true, it puts us at risk. It puts us at risk of me being able to, to love you and keep you safe and protect you. And that makes me really sad. And it makes me really sad that I did something to you that made you feel scared enough that you would have to tell someone something that may not be true. And I'm so sorry for that because I love you and I want to keep you safe. Have that conversation. Connect. Open up that relationship. You have to move past your own fear and your own anxiety. And I, I know parents who kids have made sexual abuse allegations against them. And they've had to go through this, the trauma because it can be traumatic for, for parents and for a family and only to find out that it's unfounded. And I just want to encourage you as parents, when children make false allegations, don't give up. Don't give up. It can be very sad. It can be very scary. But don't give up because the child is, is not making allegations against you. The child is doing the best that they know how to do to try to feel safe and try to create some security for themselves. And because of their experiences, they don't know how to just have open conversations with you, healing conversations. So connect, connect emotionally, share your fear, share your sadness with your child. Hey, Mimi, share your sadness with your child. And, and hopefully you can work through, you can work through those kinds of occurrences. And those are never easy and they're never fun. But just hold it in your heart that you know that you didn't do anything that you weren't supposed to. And, and I think things will always have a way of working out. Um, that's it, guys. we got to get on the road. We've got about three and a half hours worth of driving to do. God bless you, big papa. Loves you. Remember, in any given situation, you always have two choices. You can continue to react from the same imprints of stress and fear and overwhelm. Or you can stop. You can slow down. Breathe with me. And choose love. And I hope you'll choose love. Good night, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow.